Good morning, happy Monday, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Amy G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Today's date is July 3rd, and today we are reading in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are on page 62 on the third paragraph. Today's readers are, and thank you for your service and patience, this morning is Wendy M., Kathy Joe, and Ashley P., Libby E., and Maggie S. The reference number for yesterday's special edition on July 2nd is 10111. That's 10111. And today's July 3rd, 7 a.m. Vision for You meeting is 10112. That's 10112. OA preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overreader who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, Our message is that people who suffer from compulsive eating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask for Libby E. to read the 12 steps. Go ahead, Libby. Thank you, Amy. Good morning. I'm Libby E., compulsive eater in New York. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles. Thank you, Libby. I am now going to ask for Maggie S. to read the 12 traditions. Go ahead, Maggie. Good morning. This is Maggie, recovered in Springwater, New York. The 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. 
personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, thus problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Maggie S. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. If you go over, you'll hear me say time. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive eaters, overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no absence requirement for sharing on topic. Again, this meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the bid book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today, we resume our study in the big book on page 62 on the third paragraph. I am now going to ask for Wendy M. to start us off. Go ahead, Wendy. Yes, good morning. Wendy M. recovered in Colorado. Grateful to be here. So our troubles, we think, are basically of our own making. They arise out of ourselves, and the alcoholic is an extreme example of self-will run riot though he usually doesn't think so. Above everything, we alcoholics must be rid of this selfishness. We must, or it kills us. God makes that possible. And there often seems no way of entirely getting rid of self without his aid. Many of us had moral and philosophical convictions galore, but we could not live up to them even though we would have liked to. Neither could we reduce our self-centeredness much by wishing or trying on our own power. We had to have God's help. This is the how and why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. It didn't work. Next, we decided that hereafter in this drama of life, God was going to be our director. He is the principal. We are his agent. 
He is the father, and we are his children. Most good ideas are simple, and this concept was the keystone of the new and triumphant arc through which we passed to freedom. When we sincerely took such a position, all sorts of remarkable things followed. We had a new employer. Being all-powerful, he provided what we needed if we kept close to him and performed his work well. Established on such a footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves, our little plans and designs. More and more, we became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life. As we felt new power flow in, as we enjoyed peace of mind, as we discovered we could face life successfully, as we became conscious of his presence, we began to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, or the hereafter. We were reborn. So again, I'm Wendy Recovered in Colorado, Wendy M. And uh, whew, there is a lot here. Um, and what pops out, the first thing, of course, is um, first they say it's the how and why of it. So that's the directions. Here's what we do and how we do it. So it's super clear. And then it says we had to quit playing God. And that just pops out. That's just a sentence that just screams, listen to me, watch me, notice me, know, know that this is true. But the next sentence is what's really interesting. It didn't work. So it tells me it didn't work. And that's all I need to know. When I came in these doors, when I was started with the big book study and vision, um, all I needed to know was it didn't work. And I already knew it didn't work, you know. And I forget that it doesn't work. And I start playing God. And then I remember it, did, it doesn't work. Um, so it's super simple directions. Um, and, of course, like most people on the line, I play God and have been playing God for a very, very long time. And you know what? It's exhausting. It's absolutely exhausting to play God. And what a relief, these pages. What a relief, right? It says give it to God. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. Let's give it to God. It's so much better. Such a relief. So much more serenity. So much more peace. Um, yeah, because I was, as I said, I've been in charge. Um, and before I couldn't let go, I couldn't afford to let go. Um, you know, but it's amazing when you take that step and quit playing God. Um, and the other reason I was going to say that I, I wanted to play God is because I thought I had to get my needs met. And I thought the only way to do that was to trust no one, nothing I had to manage, um, so this whole idea that God's, you know, our director, our father, our principal, our employer, I love that one, especially when I'm in a job situation. It's like, oh, right, God's my employer, not me. Um, the other thing it says is keep close to him. And to me, that means program of action. And when I take action, I get to God. When I pick up that phone and I, it says perform his work well, program of action, always a program of action. This weekend, I called a fellow program of action. I called many fellows, and I got in touch with one, and she told me what I needed to hear. I, you know, I turned it over and listened to God through her. Um, and then it says we're more interested in what we can contribute to life. And always, you know, my sponsor or others remind me, Wendy, when you go to that, what can you bring to the occasion, not what you can get? And I love this little phrase, our little plans. I love that. Because you know what? My plans are really little. I think they're huge. I think they're so
so important, um, but they're actually really, really small. And the thing that's very, very big is, you know, looking at what I can contribute to life. Um, and then finally, it says, enjoy peace of mind. And I looked at peace of mind, and it means mental freedom. Wow, this program gives me mental freedom. Instead of the chatter, the chatter, the chatter, I get actual freedom of my mind um, and a peace that I've never, ever experienced before. And indeed, we are reborn. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Wendy. Okay, so who would like to share on these awesome paragraphs? Ginger C. Ginger C. John K. John K. Maggie S. Maggie S. Charles D. Charles D. Reggie O. Reggie O. Liat TD. Uh, say that name again. Liat TD. TD. Okay. Jody. Uh, Jody EQ, I think I heard. Yes, Sherry KB. And Sherry KB. <clears throat> Esther C. Esther C. Okay. I think we got a great lineup. We have Ginger C, John K, Maggie S, Charles D, Reggio, Leah TT. I may not have gotten that right, but you know who you are. Jody EQ, Sherry KB, and Esther C. All right, Ginger, you are up. Please go ahead. Great. Good morning, Amy. Thank you so much for your service and for everyone being on the line this morning. I'm Ginger C. Recovered in Colorado. And um, I'm trying to hold back the tears so I can talk, but this is just so unbelievable to think about this as I sit here this morning. We were reborn. And I'm just thinking about how many times when I was eating the food, I was so suicidal that I thought I was going to die. And there was one night in particular where I just called out to my husband and said, I don't know what to do, and I'm in big trouble. And we had a Prius at the time. And he just took it up to 110 to get home to this house that he had no idea what he'd be entering into. Because when I eat my alcoholic food, I want to die. I'm extremely suicidal. And then I think about this state that I'm in today, this reborn state. I was so maladjusted to life like the Dr. Opinions talks about. And now to face life successfully. Like the promises are so miraculous. I had no idea. I hated the big book. I was not reading this book. And then I went to that amazing conference, that convention in Virginia Beach, and the title was, or the theme was, The Power of the Big Book. And I'm like, hell yeah, this book saved my life. I sit here today recovered. And the gift of being recovered is that I get to help that person behind that's thinking that they're going to die. 
So if you're here today and you're recovered, work it like your life depends on it because this disease is doing push-ups. And I love that the book says over and over, if, if we sought this God, I've got to seek. I have to work all the time. It's intensive work. That's what Chapter 7 says. It's not on my time and my plans. But if we do this work, this is what happens. You'll go from wanting to kill yourself to being reborn. That's miraculous. So if you're new, just put the food down, say goodbye. It's not your friend. It never was. And this hand of God is leading, and it's inside you. It's not far to find it. And then these unbelievable things happen. You watch people, and you watch their lives change. And it's only this God doing for me what I would not do for myself. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Ginger C. John Kay, it is your turn. Good morning, everybody. My name is John Karen, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Los Angeles. Thank you, old Team Monday. Um, yeah, I want to focus on the paragraph at the bottom of page 62 because um, it's an interesting paragraph mm-hmm. to me. Um, uh, it has, to me, one of the most important sentences in the big book, one of my favorites. At the same time, it has a couple of my least favorite sentences in the big book. And, of course, the most important one of it to me is had to quit playing God. I mean, to me, this sentence defines the overarching theme of the book and the steps and everything. You know, that life on, run on self-will, you know, can hardly be a success. And I needed to hear that. And when I work with sponsees, I think it's very important. And I, I say to them, it's very important you get this. You know. um, the trouble is that the very next few sentences make it very hard when you're trying to explain to a newcomer that this is a spiritual program, not a religious program, because, you know, there's a lot of capitals in those sentences, a lot of God is he, you know, he is the father, we are the children. And, and, you know, it flies a bit in the face of what we try to tell people about everybody defining their own concept of a higher power, you know, and it was a big stumbling block for me too. And I made sure to tell those sponsors and people struggling with what I always jokingly call a G word, um, about the roots of this program with the Oxford Group, which, of course, was a Christian organization. Um, but, you know, for me, uh, it was such a stumbling block to read things like that when I first came in because I came from a long line of angry, very often nasty Irish male alcoholics. So as a result, a male god, uh, especially a loving one I'm going to establish a relationship with, was just not going to work for me. So I, I try to as best as I can to tell them to keep that history in mind when they're reading this and other other parts of the big book and look for, you know, identify with the commonality, identify with the solution, which is still here. And sometimes I'll even take it down to the lowest common denominator of faith, you know, when talking to the newcomers um, and maybe even put passages like this in, in more psychological terms to say, look, no matter what faith or belief you have, it is at its base a program of ego reduction. And that's what this program is about for me. And and to, for some of the logical types, I'll remind them of that sentence that follows how to quit playing God, as, as Wendy reminded us also. It doesn't work. <laughs> you know, I'll ask them, how is that running the show working for you? You know, and I needed to keep an open mind. Luckily, I was speed up enough that 
even though there was part of me that sort of bristled at some of those uh, the terms that just and it isn't there's anything wrong with that. It just flashed back on me. It brought religious PTSD back to me, and I needed to I needed to be able to, to if I wanted to develop a, a concept of a higher power, I needed to almost erase what I had before, and this sort of just reminded me a little bit. And so, it's important for me to it was important for me to define a concept of a higher power, no longer a father, maybe more of a mother, maybe something else. And um, and to realize that that's this life that run by self-will didn't work. And when I try and reach out and make others the center of my concern, uh, I lead a happy mess. And uh, with that, I pass. Thank you, John. Maggie S., it's your turn. Please go ahead. Hi, this is Maggie S. from Springwater, New York. Can I be heard? Yes, very well, thank you. Great. Oh my gosh. This oh, this stuff is so good. Many of us had moral and philosophical convictions galore, but we could not live up to them even though we would have liked to. Neither could we reduce our self-centeredness much by wishing or trying on our own power we had to have God's help. I on the door of my residence the last thing I see when I walk out of the door, I posted a note. You are not the director of the show. You no longer run the show. And then I walk out, and in my mind, my mind starts going, oh, she shouldn't have put that pillow over there. Why is this person walking so slowly? On and on and on. And I saw it clearly yesterday, and I was troubled, and I felt fear. And I got up this morning, and Higher Power, who I call Beloved, said to me, Girlfriend, get up, get your pencil and paper, get your book, and listen to this call. And, man, have I heard what, at 7 o'clock and now, what I needed to hear. I can't rely on my thinking. I cannot do this on my own. I cannot rely on my thinking to change itself. It just doesn't work. When I'm doing that, I am running the show and forgetting that I am just an actor. I have my few lines, and that's all I need to do is my part. On my own, I forget, and I think everybody else is responsible for my feeling of safety, my need to be loved, my need to be accepted. I'm looking to everybody to fulfill that, and they cannot do it. And when they can't do it, I get scared to death. So thank you for these words, man, being all-powerful. He, I call her she, provides for me what I need if I keep close and perform her work well. And I feel this new power flowing in, enjoying peace of mind, and discovering that I can face life successfully if I'm not running this show. My thinking, this thinking created the disease, and I cannot solve my problem with my own thinking. I need a higher power. So thank you so much, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Maggie S. Charles D., please go ahead, Charles. Yes, hi, thank you. This is Charles D., uh, compulsive uh, overeater. Um, yes, I um, I realized from early childhood I was uh, I was running my show, and uh, even though I went to church and uh, heard about God, um, there, as far as I was concerned, um, God didn't exist for me. I, um, 
I continued to just do the best I could on my own and and uh, be my own God. I was uh, playing God at that point. I had no experience of anything else, even though people talked about God and um, said they knew God. I um, I just didn't have it. I didn't. I didn't. It didn't exist. Um, so I had a lot of moral and philosophical uh, convictions. I thought that was my way. And then, of course, um, food came along and um, became my god. Um, of course, it wasn't a working god. It was a. It was more of a. a it was a great problem for me and was. Um, a part of my self-will, my attempt to uh, control myself, and to I I and yet I still had I I knew it wasn't working. That was the problem, and it it um, and so I I guess I kept the door open to searching for for really uh, for God, and I got involved in twelve steps, and that they talked about God and said you had to find a God, so I I really um, I wanted to know that God, but that God really kept um, away from me, or I kept God away from me. I, I guess my self-will was the main problem. But uh, as time went along and my disease got worse, I guess I got more desperate. I, I became more ready for for a real experience. And I think my prayers uh, started to be heard because I, I became humble because uh um, my addictions and, and especially my food was were really um, destroying me, and so I became more willing. I think I, I really, not just got on my knees, but really got on my knees, and um, and asked for help. And finally, um, God um, God came to me, and um, since then it's it's been. Um, knowing to knowing that I needed to do the work I, I felt like oh yeah now I have God but um, as was already said this morning is that now the work began I had to really uh, work the work the steps be a part of this program that was going to really allow God to uh, to be with me or make myself worthy of being with God and so I'm I'm really grateful for now um, having having God close to me and um, performing what um, I consider to be God's will for me. So I'm really blessed by, by this program that's, that's brought me to God and, to, and has helped me with my, my addictions. Thank you. Thank you so much, Charles B. Reggie O., it's your turn. Good morning. Thank you, Amy, for your service and everybody that's here this morning. Well, this is really so, 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 so powerful. I, um, yeah, I, I just feel so blessed reading this and being, you know, more aware as I listen in each day and read this book again. You know, what a blessing and a gift that that I have and that we all have. And um, you know, this uh, many of us had moral and philosophical convictions galore, but we could not live up to them, even though we would have liked to, the paragraph that led us into the two today. Uh, you know, I I did, yeah, had plenty of moral and philosophical convi- convictions, but since I was very self-centered and didn't know it, and since uh, God was not my director, I was trying to control my life, those 
uh, convictions turned into uh, character defects, you know, character defects such as self-righteousness and judgment and, you know, this and that. And uh, Reggie, Reggie knew, you know, and uh, but it says that self-centeredness that we could never get rid of that alone. We had to have God's help. Um, and that means, you know, putting God's first, God first in the position that God needs to be. And uh, so when when it didn't work, you know, for me to be playing God in my life, I would often look for someone else to be God in my life or something else to be, you know, God in my life. Uh, before, you know, before finding that there, <laughs> that, you know, truthfully there is but one God that comes by many names. You know, it's the same power, it's the same spirit, it's the same energy, uh, and but there is that one, and um, you know, it's uh, making that decision over and over again. I, I have said before, I was recovered once before many years ago, the compulsion had been lifted, I was reborn, my life transformed in every you know, every arena, and I just kind of lost that as I, it felt like you know, over time, the um. Uh, that gravitational pull of spirit and program and uh, and and what we're doing here today and it took a very 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 long time for me to get back um, you know and but I I find such great relief and sweetness day by day you know when I'm able to let God be God and Reggie be Reggie but that means Reggie I you know I have to be me I, I you know I need to be the person that God wants me to be I need to. Uh, what I didn't do before, I didn't realize, I didn't understand the, the steps well enough to know that I had to to go do 10, 11, and 12 on a regular basis, that this was my first, you know, that this really was my first job. And in that last, you know, the last paragraph, I uh, highlighted two words. The first one is sincerely. You know, when we sincerely took such a position and you know, I thought about that. It's that journey for me, that ever ongoing journey of from my head to my heart, which means from, you know, got to do this, have to do this, got to get this into sincerely, truly desiring this, uh, which I do. Uh, it, it makes an amazing uh, difference. And, you know, the promises here are so beautiful. A new employer being all powerful who provides what we need if we keep close you know, and perform God's work well. Uh, we became less and less interested in ourselves, our little plans and designs. What a relief, what a an eye-opener to really embrace, you know, a, a bigger world than this, you know, little world around Reggie. And uh, we felt new power flow in. We enjoyed peace of mind. We discovered we could face life successfully as we became conscious conscious of God's presence as we experience that, you know, and, and we begin to lose our fear, you know, the, the, the core, the root of all of it, uh, self-centered fear, you know, we began to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, or year after, and we were reborn and are reborn and continue on a daily basis. And thank you for keeping time. And uh, so I don't have to, and I pass. Thanks, Reggie. So it's Leah TP. Uh, forgive me if I'm butchering your name, but it's your turn. Yes, hi, this is Liati D. And good morning, everybody, my brothers and sisters. Um, wow. <laughs> I'm just, every time I'm on this phone meeting, I'm so amazed. And thank you for your beautiful shares and your experience. I can relate to every one of you. Um, you know, it says in, the, in that passage, it says, at some time in the past, 
we have made a decision based on self, which later placed us in the position to be heard. And you know, Joe and Joe and Charlie talk about that mental addiction, you know, that, that we all, you know, we all have mental addictions. You know, I, you know, maybe, you know, there's a dish soap that once I, uh, you know, I used and it worked. And I, every time I go to the supermarket, I buy that dish soap or people are mentally addicted to cars because they felt comfortable and they always go for that car. And that's what happened to me. At some point, you know, being born orally sensitive, overreactive human being, at some point early on, I remember a three-year-old, I felt those feelings. There was a pile of emotions. I didn't know how to process. I touched that food. I put it in my, my, my body, and it worked. It relieved me. It gave me that promise that we were reading today you know, I was reborn with that bite. Like, wow, I'm no longer in pain. And it worked for a long time. And I'm grateful for it because it saved my life. I always say that if I didn't have the food, I would commit suicide or be mental in a mental institution. It helped me. It helped me get through life until it boomerang against me and it hurt me. And it, you know, and it created the same, you know, I wanted to die. I wanted to kill you. Just a bus crushed into me. You know, an airplane fell on me from the sky. So um, there was a point that I made that decision, and it helped me until it didn't. And I am, you know, in the program, I had to develop, because my idea of God was very God for everyone. God, you know, I had this religious idea, I think, although I was not born religious. And I had to develop my own idea, and it had to be a God that dwells in me that knows what I need because I don't think I, I, you know, yeah, I can believe that there is a God that is kind and loving, but I don't know if he knows me and he knows what I want. And it had to be a God that knows me and lives within me and knows what I need. And, and also definitely knows what everybody else else needs. But at the beginning, it had to be only my God, the God that lives with me and helps me just to be clean one day. That helps me, that directs me, that takes away any wrong motive that I have. And just a very basic, basic, small, only God for the act. And over time, that God developed and grew, and I am so grateful. And I can't wait to see you in the conference. I love you. Bye. (laughs) Thank you, Leah. Jody EQ, it's your turn. Thank you so much. Good morning, everybody. This is Jody EQ. Gratefully recovered in California. These paragraphs are just some of the most awesome paragraphs in the book as far as I'm concerned. It just sums it up for me. My my troubles are basically of my own making. Indeed, they are. You know, I really didn't have philosophical convictions galore. I didn't know what I was doing, even though I was raised in a religion. I didn't really get the religion. I didn't understand the religion. I didn't care about the religion. I just wanted what I wanted when I wanted it. And it took, uh, God had to, you know, find a way to uh, break me down, my ego. So uh, my particular way was uh, through food. And... Sure enough, it got me. Uh, 
it got me to a place of willingness. It got me to a place of uh, suicidal ideation. Uh, and then finally, I was teachable. And, you know, it was really my brother who 12-stepped me with this book back in 1988. Uh, it was a miracle. I didn't even pray for help. But my brother saw that I was suffering. He gave me this book, and I opened it up. And these very paragraphs really spoke to me back then. So what's it telling me? It's telling me that uh, I need a new employer. I can't do this thing called life on my own. When I'm in charge, I just get myself into big trouble, and I step on the toes of my fellows, and they retaliate retaliate and all of it. So I need a higher power. And once I accept that power and try to follow it, all sorts of wonderful things happen. I become less and less interested in myself, my little plans and designs. You know, I still have to take, I, I have to live not only in 10, 11, and 12 every day, I also have to live in one, two, and three. I have to remember that I am a compulsive overeater and I need to abstain. I need to remember that there is a power greater than me and I need to turn my will and my life over to it every single day because I will take my will back in an instant because I am a self-centered person. And thank you, God, that today I know this and that I do my best every single day to turn my will over to the care of God. And as I do that, I do begin to lose my fear of today, tomorrow, or the hereafter, and I am reborn. Wow, what a gift is that. Thank you, God, and thank you to all of you for sharing your experience, strength, and hope. It is inspiring. It is motivating and I really do feel that we have the joy of this fellowship like like never before and I'm so grateful to a vision for you as I know you are too and with that I will pass thank you Jody Sherry KB your turn good morning Amy good morning everybody this is Sherry KB in Northern California grateful recovered compulsive reader thank you so much for your service Amy and what great things I'm hearing this morning. I'm so grateful. Um, okay, so, you know, what it's saying here for me is that I have to stop. I ha- first of all, the se- second, the par- first paragraph we read is I have to have God's help. I can't do this alone anymore. Um, I have to quit playing God because it's never worked. Um, it's giving me ideas of different names of a higher power that I can choose, and I can also come up with my own. There's about five here. Director, principal, father, employer, and then there's another one, but it's in the next paragraph uh, tomorrow. Um, and so what it's telling me is that, you know, I've put the food down. I have to stop playing. I have to stop running the Sherry Show. I have to stop playing God. This is a spiritual program. It's not a religious one in that this is going to be the keystone and what's going to build the triumphant arch, the freedom that I will walk through, but I need to turn to my higher power for that. And, you know, um, we have we have warnings, prayers, and promises in the big book besides the step. And actually on um, the third paragraph that we read today, 
when it starts with we sincerely took a position of all sorts, remarkable things followed. This is all about the third step promises before we actually get to the third step prayer, which is tomorrow. And so, you know, it's promising me that if I do this, if I stop playing God, if I come up with a conception of my own God, my own, not yours, but mine, um, I can name it whatever I want. I just need to come up with a conception that's going to work for me and that wonderful things will start happening because what's going to get replaced is my, first my food had to be put down. Then next is I'm going into the step work and where my selfishness and self-centeredness, um, that was running the show and now I'm letting my higher power run the show. I'm looking to be more contributing to life to ha- so I can have peace of mind and um, be of service and I get that new uh, flow of power coming in with my higher power's presence that I I lose fear of of today and tomorrow. And um, these are promises that will happen if I am willing to stop running the Sherry Show and uh, replace that and turn my will to a power greater than myself, whichever I choose to call it, that will help me do the rest of the steps. And the whole idea of this book is to get connected to a power greater than myself but I have to get unblocked first, so I have to do the step work. But I have to turn my will and my life over to a, a power greater than myself because what I've been doing has not worked at all. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry. Esther C., you are up. Hi, good morning. Thanks so much, Amy, for your service. My name is Esther C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Canada. Um, the paragraph, the second one that we read, reads, when we sincerely took such a position. So which position is that that I'll be taking now? So if I look at the relationships described in the previous paragraph, I see that uh, my higher power is going to be the director. He's the principal. We're the agents. He's the father. I'm the children. Um, Basically, I'm not running the show anymore. And this is definitely not natural to me, and it's something I was unhappy about because I'm the type of person who likes to be in charge. But what I'm learning here is that I'm now going to be under the direction of something greater than me. And what I learned also is that I can access and make use of that greatness, not only the, the power of that of, of of the one that I'm following, not only to keep me sober, you know, and, and recovered, but also to, you know, to live a better life and to become my best self if I look at all the promises that were so well described in earlier shares, but if I look at the promises in this paragraph, I can see that all this has become true for me and it could be true for everybody should should they be willing also to take such a position. Now, what's come up a lot is at this point people are, and I also got nervous, like what's what's my higher power going to ask me? What's it, How will I know what my higher power wants of me? I mean, I don't receive a text every morning or emails, you know, listing all the things I should and shouldn't do for the day. That's not, you know, I don't hear any heavenly voices, but the steps to follow, 4 through 9, and then the ones that I do over and over again, 10 through 12, teach me a way of living and how to become close and develop a relationship to my higher power. And that is what enables me to better intuit what this, what his will is for me. How, how does higher power want me to live? What are the directions um, in order for me to live so well? But first, before all that good living, you know, becomes something that I, you know, becomes a gift for me, I've got to do 
you know, I, I'm at step three, and I need to now be positioned to take direction. So whenever I see that word position, I remind myself even today, Esther, are you positioned to take direction, or are you trying to run the show? Now, a lot of people look at step three as, well, you won, higher power, and I lost, so now i got to listen. And that doesn't that doesn't that ever sat well with me because that that sort of comes across as combative or like a war or something like that. There's some there's sort of a parable that I always keep in mind, which I think is which has served me well in in program. And I see my relationship with my high power similar to the relationship of someone in um, who's sailing, you know, with the wind, right? The wind gets me where I'm going. It's the power of the wind that moves the sailboat further. So if I fight the wind or if I ignore the, the direction of the wind, then either I'll go nowhere or in best case scenario or worst case scenario, I'm going to sink. So I'm, I'm constantly moving and adjusting myself to, to the current, to whatever the current reality is. I, I move my apparatus. I let go of this. I grab onto that. And that's how I move forward forward right i'm constantly trying to figure out what i need to do to adjust myself to catch the power of the wind and that's once i harness that power and and that feeling right we call it smooth sailing there's nothing like it but of course this is a decision of step three and i can say it's the best decision i ever made and with that i'll pass thanks for letting me share thank you esther uh we have time for a couple more shares let's put myself in there too who else would like to share lisa b Rocky I. Leah. Recovered in uh, Tempe, Arizona, and um, 
I don't know if I have much to say. Every, everybody has taken every <laughs> every comment, but I'll see what's left for me. Uh, so my experience, uh, I think, with God, it was like um, difficult because, especially to embrace this um, uh, male figure, you know, the father uh, principle. Um, it was difficult for me to embrace the father figure, male figure, because my dad shot me, like from the arch of our be bedroom, from the doorway to our bed, that's not that far. And it was a big old gun, a 38 millimeter um, revolver. And so uh, to embrace a male figure was uh, quite difficult, but not impossible. Uh, through step work, I was able to uh, look at my father in a different light, see him as an alcoholic, see how sick he was. And working this step um, has helped me reconcile. And so first, my higher power, um, I heard her in a meeting, and she said, oh, you can borrow my higher power. And so it was like a, like a, a Madonna, kind of like a, like a motherly figure. And after I, you know, after I recovered uh, and listened, and some, one of my recovery heroes, his recovery hero was Bill Wilson himself, and he has, um, he set his mind to become like Bill Wilson and learn all about him, and since I want to be like my recovery hero, he's like, okay, I will look at Bill Wilson himself too, so, and when I learned that he had recovered at the Axford group and what the Axford group did, and uh, I'm like, okay, I like this, where can I find my modern Oxford, Oxford group, and guess what? I found it, and uh, it's an awesome Christian fellowship, and we do um, really radical stuff. That's why, you know, it captivated me. It's a very uh, generous church, and I know some people might, might get their um, eat from my share, but that's the truth. Like, we need to find God, and... Uh, in any way, shape, or form, you know, for me, uh, was becoming like Bill and my hero, and so that has really done for me what I could never do alone, and um, that's the reality of it, and so if you're out there, if you're new, again, you have heard me share, um, just go through it, and you will recover, and with that, I will pass. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you, Rocky. Leah, I'll give you a minute. How about that? Got about a minute or two. Leah S. I'll pass. I'll pass. It's okay. Thank you so very much. Thank you. Oh, are you sure? Okay. Well, then I'm going to chime in for the last minute. My name's Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. So our troubles we think are basically of our own making, and we must get rid of this selfishness or it kills us. What I find interesting is it doesn't say we must get rid of this drinking or it kills us. It's saying, and it said earlier, that selfishness and self-centeredness is the root of our troubles, and the root is me, that I am the issue. And it's very clear to me, here we are on Chapter 5, burning in the prior chapters, that food was not the issue for me. The issue is, is me, and that there's much more to this disease than meets the mouth, if you excuse the pun. And they're not joking around here, that if we don't get to the root of this problem, if we don't figure out what's going on, it kills us. Because for me, if I can see that out on my selfishness, my self-will, 
my ego that I'm going to eat, and for me to eat is to die, because that's what this disease does to me. It kills me emotionally, physically, and spiritually. So I have to get out of the business here. And so they're reinforcing the fact that it's not just about the food. It's about what I'm going to be and I better have a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery, or I'm either just going to be a dry drunk, you know, stark raving abstinence, and eventually be binging my brains out again. So I take it very seriously. And, and you know, I, like John Kay, struggled a little bit with that second paragraph with all this talk about God and everything, but I was constantly, by a loving sponsor, brought back to the beginning of this chapter. And it says, you know, in some of these steps we balked. We thought we could find an easier, softer way, but we could not. We beg of you to be fearless, fearless, begging us to let go of our old ideas. And I had to do that. I had a sponsor that lovingly said to me, if your way is working so well, why are you here? And I had to say that my will, my the way I was doing things was killing me. So I had to be willing to put aside the God question and be willing to at least start moving through the steps and begin to have that spiritual waking that people were talking about that had nothing to do with religion, but with a presence and a power in my life that I could no longer explain but was there because I was willing to do the footwork and suit up and show up. Talk about peace of mind. I even find today in working 10, 11, and 12 that my peace of mind is in direct correlation with my letting go of my self-will and my ego. I mean, I never rise above being human, of course. But my choice to be willful or selfish in the day has a lot to do with how much peace I'm going to have and my family around me. This applies to the newcomer and applies to the oldcomer. It applies to us all. It's a way to live life with the promises that are described here. Living life successfully, conscious of its present. We lose fear of today, tomorrow, and hereafter. We become contributing members to our society. I mean, the fact that my story could help someone else that I could have a, a, an impact in, in helping someone else. Talk about having interest in other people. So if you had talked to me about that before program, I would have said, no way, no how. And yet, here I am. One of my goals is to be able to give away what I have so generously been given. This program is so powerful because it connects us to a power beyond us, our wildest imaginations, to do things I could have never imagined. And I'm so grateful. And with that, I will pass. And I am now going to turn it over to... Kathy Joe, who's going to read uh, the big book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Go ahead, Kathy Joe. Hello, this is Kathy Joe. Can I be heard? Yes, Kathy, please go ahead. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. Thank you, Kathy Gill. 